This week, we begin our journey through royal history with the coronation of Queen Elizabeth I and the Elizabethan era, January 1559. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. The summer before Queen Mary I of England's death has been described as very hot. But upon her death later that year, the hearts of her Catholic followers were frozen by the prospect of the late Queen's sister Elizabeth taking away their religion. Elizabeth's reign is much remembered. Her rule is referred to as the Reign of Gloriana, the Golden Age, with her sister Mary being the one condemned for burning of Protestants. So when Elizabeth came to the throne at 25, England rejoiced in the idea of a young Protestant queen, still in her childbearing years. The long spectacle of Elizabeth's coronation was intended to show the difference between her and her predecessor, Mary I, and it consisted of four parts. The first was the possession of the Tower of London. From the time the Tower of London was built by William the Conqueror, it was a castle and fortress, and then became the place the new sovereign remained the night before their coronation. Next was the progress through the city. Much like Queen Elizabeth II's coronation 400 years later, people lined the streets of London for a mere glimpse at the daughter of Henry VIII and his second wife, Anne Boleyn. Carried down the streets in her golden litter, Elizabeth I waved to her subjects and smiled. She had become something that others believed would never be. Queen Regnant of England. During her procession, four separate pageants entertained Elizabeth. The first focused on her genealogy, making it clear to everyone that Elizabeth was English and her sister had been Spanish. No longer was the throne of England tainted by Spain. The second pageant showed what to expect of Elizabeth's government, with four virtues consisting of true religion, love of subjects, wisdom, and justice. The third pageant was to prove the separation between city and crown, with the Lord Mayor of London presenting Elizabeth with a gift of gold. And the last pageant 
contrasted the decay of the Commonwealth under Queen Mary I to the thriving one under Elizabeth herself. In this pageant, the figure of trust was featured, and he carried a Bible written in English that showed the title Word of Truth. In the pageant, the figure of truth handed Queen Elizabeth the Bible. She kissed it and held it to her chest. The crowd nearby roared with happiness. The coronation itself, well, Elizabeth's coronation was the last to be performed in Latin and the last under the Pope's authority, thanks to what her sister Mary had set in place for her coronation five years earlier. The ceremony turned out to be the perfect compromise for those who held tight to their Catholic faith and those who wished to return to Protestantism. And after the coronation, there was a banquet at Westminster. Now a great feast followed the coronation, which included around 200 guests. Imagine cooking for that. Elizabeth left for Whitehall Palace after the feast, and a jousting tournament scheduled for the next day had to be postponed, as the queen was feeling rather tired. From Queen Elizabeth I in the mid-16th century to King Henry III and Eleanor of Provence in the 13th century, with the birth of a son, Edmund Crouchback, future Earl of Lancaster, Leicester, and Derby. Edmund was born on the 16th of January, 1245, in London, to King Henry III and Eleanor of Provence. He was their second son and the younger brother of future Edward I. Edmund was created Earl of Leicester and Lancaster in 1267 and accompanied his brother on the Ninth Crusade in 1271. It was there that he received his nickname, Crouchback, which means crossback, referring to the clothing he wore. By his second marriage in 1276 to Blanche of Artois, he had three sons. Edmund died during the Siege of Bayonne on the 5th of June, 1296, at 51 years old. He was buried at Westminster Abbey. Interesting fact about Edmund. Through his great-granddaughter, Blanche of Lancaster, wife of John of Gaunt, he is ancestor to the Lancastrian kings, Henry IV, fifth, and sixth. On the 14th of June, 1870, Princess Sophia Dorothea was born in Potsdam to Crown Prince Frederick of Prussia, future Frederick III, King of Prussia, and Victoria, Princess Royal, the eldest daughter of Queen Victoria of the United Kingdom. Sophia was raised with her youngest sisters, Victoria and Margaret, and was very close to her mother. She traveled to England a lot and had a love for all things English. A year after her father's death, Sophia married Crown Prince Constantine of Greece on the 27th of October, 1889. They had six children. All three of her sons would become King of Greece. In 1913, her father-in-law was assassinated and her husband became King Constantine I of Greece. During the wars that Greece faced in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, 
Sophia became a nurse, healing wounded soldiers, founding field hospitals, and training new nurses. During this time, she also faced criticism in Greece, since she was the sister of the German emperor, who allied with Greece's enemy, the Ottoman Empire. The family was forced into exile in 1917, and their second son became Alexander I of Greece to replace his father. Alexander died in 1920, and the family returned to Greece. However, by 1922, Constantine I abdicated in favor of his eldest son, George II, and Sophia was again in exile. Her husband died in 1923, and she died on the 13th of January, 1932, at 61. She was buried at the Russian church in Florence until 1936, when her body was moved to Greece. Next, we step back in time to the 14th century and the birth of Philip the Bold, future Duke of Burgundy. Now, Philip was born on the 17th of January, 1342, to John II of France and Bone of Bohemia. In 1356, Philip received his nickname, The Bold, when he fought alongside his father at the Battle of Portier. They were captured by the English during the battle and remained imprisoned together until 1360. Philip received the Duchy of Burgundy in 1363, and he married Margaret of Flanders six years later. They had nine children, although, of course, not all lived to adulthood. Philip was appointed to the Regency Council for his nephew, Charles VI of France, where he was the dominant regent. Now, Charles VI, if you recall, was the father of Catherine of Valois. He began a feud with his other brother, Louis, Duke of Orleans, that lasted after their own deaths and started the turbulent relationship between the Burgundy branch of Valois against the Orleans branch. Philip died on the 27th of April, 1404, at 62, in modern-day Belgium. The 18th of January, 1357, marked the death of Maria of Portugal, Queen of Castile and Leon. Maria was born on the 9th of February, 1313, to Alfonso IV of Portugal and Beatrice of Castile. She was their eldest child. In 1328, Maria married her cousin, Alfonso XI of Castile. The marriage was unhappy, as Alfonso had a mistress that he kept, and Maria was often secluded from court. They had two sons, though only one survived. To secure support from her father in battle, Alfonso had his mistress sent to a convent, and he declared to never see her again. However, after the battle was over, he returned to her. After Alfonso's death in 1350, Maria influenced the leader of her son's Regency Council and participated in a rebellion against her son in 1354. She was then sent to Portugal, where she remained until her death, on the 18th of January, 1357. She was 43 years old. We started out this episode during the Tudor dynasty, 
And now we're going to head right back there to the year 1486 and the marriage of Henry VII and Elizabeth of York. King for five months, Henry VII of England married Elizabeth of York on the 18th of January, 1486, at Westminster Abbey. Their marriage united the houses of York and Lancaster, which had been fighting each other in the Wars of the Roses since 1455. Elizabeth was the eldest daughter of Edward IV of England and helped to validate the Tudor dynasty. On the 19th of January, 1526, Isabella of Austria, Queen of Denmark, Norway, and Sweden died. But if we go back to the beginning, Isabella was born on the 18th of July, 1501, to Philip the Handsome, Duke of Burgundy, and Juana of Castile, who would become known historically as Juana the Mad. Isabella spent her childhood in the Spanish Netherlands. Her siblings included two future Holy Roman Emperors, Charles V and Ferdinand I. On the 11th of July, 1514, at almost 13 years old, Isabella married 33-year-old Christian II of Denmark by proxy. However, she would not leave for Denmark for another year, confirming the wedding on the 12th of August, 1515, the same day she was crowned Queen Consort. She went by the name Elizabeth in Denmark. Isabella and Christian had six children between 1518 and 1523, but only two daughters would live to adulthood. In 1520, she became Queen of Sweden after Christian took the throne, but she never visited. Her husband was deposed three years later by a group of noblemen who supported his uncle, Frederick I. Isabella then traveled to the Netherlands in exile with her husband and children. They traveled around Germany, hoping to gain support for Christian to regain his throne. Isabella died on the 19th of January, 1526, at the age of 24, after contracting a serious illness the year before. She was buried in Denmark. On the 3rd of June, 1865, George Frederick Ernest Albert was born as the second son to Albert Edward, Prince of Wales, and Alexandra of Denmark during his grandmother, Queen Victoria's reign. George was destined for a naval career as the second son, but the death of his older brother, Prince Albert Victor, in 1892 changed the course of history. Five months later, George was created Duke of York, Earl of Inverness, and Baron Killarney, and began lessons in constitutional history. On the 6th of July, 1893, George married Princess Mary of Teck, who had been engaged to his elder brother before his death. They had five sons and one daughter. In January 1901, George's father succeeded the throne as King Edward VII, and George inherited the title Duke of Cornwall. In November 1901, he was invested as Prince of Wales. His father died in May 1910 after only nine years on the throne, and George became 
George V. George and Mary were jointly crowned on the 22nd of June, 1911. They traveled the empire extensively, both while prince and princess of Wales and while king and queen. However, that all changed in 1914. On the 4th of August, 1914, Britain declared war on Germany. And for the next four years, George and his allies were at war with the Central Powers, led by his cousin, German Kaiser Wilhelm II. Due to the anti-German sentiment rising in Britain, George changed the royal family name from the House of Saxe-Coburg and Gotha to the House of Windsor in 1917. That same year, his cousin, Tsar Nicholas II, and his family were denied asylum in Britain during the Russian Revolution. By the time a rescue effort was put into place, it was too late. Once the war was over, many monarchies throughout Europe, and most related to George, fell to revolution and war. During his reign, Ireland gained its independence from Great Britain. British dominions became self-governing. A national government was formed to help with financial crises, and he began the annual royal Christmas speech tradition of the monarch. George died on the 19th of January, 1936, at 70, after years of failing health due to the war. He was buried at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. George was succeeded by his eldest son, Edward VIII, who abdicated the throne less than a year later. Louis XVI of France died on the 21st of January, 1793. On the 23rd of August, 1754, the future Louis XVI of France was born in the Palace of Versailles to Louis Dauphin of France and Maria Josepha of Saxony. Louis's elder brother died in 1761, making him next in line after his father for the French throne. He excelled in studies and enjoyed hunting with his grandfather. When Louis was 11 years old, his father died and he became the new Dauphin. His mother married only two years later. And on the 16th of May, 1770, 15-year-old Louis married 14-year-old Maria Antonia of Austria, better known as Marie Antoinette. They remained childless until 1778, eventually having four children, with only one daughter living to adulthood. In 1774, Louis XV died, and the now Louis XVI was king at 19 years old. As Louis XVI, he sent French aid to support the American colonists during the Revolutionary War against the British in the late 1700s. This led the country to the brink of bankruptcy, which then led to financial reforms. By 1788, Louis was forced to summon the Estates General and, therefore, set in motion the French Revolution. At first, he went along with the newly established National Assembly and effectively became a constitutional monarch. But Louis lost his credibility when he attempted to flee with his family from Versailles. 
War with Austria broke out in 1792, and many people blamed Louis's wife for her Austrian committee. By December 1792, Louis was brought to trial for treason. He was found guilty and executed by guillotine on the 21st of January, 1793. His wife, Marie Antoinette, had the same fate nine months later. And that concludes this week in royal history. I truly hope you learned something new today. And maybe now you might want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit deeper with one of the topics I discussed today. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Rebecca Larson. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.